Hi, you're listening to Dr. Shamina Johnson, and this is Dark Matters with Dr. Shamina, the podcast that focuses on learning to become conscious and aware so that you can take control of your life in this very challenging world. So what do you say? Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Dark Matters with Dr. Shamina. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Shamina, and I'm so happy that you are tuning in, and I'm glad to actually be here with you again. So today I'm going to talk about depression, and this is kind of my take that there are degrees of depression. I think most of you out in the world know the word depression and pretty much what it means. It's definitely known in this world. I think most people use it, or oftentimes I hear it used in reference to when you're feeling consistently, you know, sad, sad, like, you know, feeling a little blue more times than not. And you're not feeling particularly interested in activities and you're kind of withdrawn from life. Now, that's one way of looking at depression. But then there's also the depression that occurs when you suffer a loss. And it doesn't have to be a significant loss, like the loss of a parent or a child. You know, it could be the loss of a relationship. A significant, you know, relationship or a close friend, you know, which is all part of the grieving process, right? You know, and there's other forms of depression that I think are non-diagnosable, but because they don't really have a strong outward appearance. And it oftentimes, if you ever present to a physician's office, it can be really missed. But from my clinical experience, The roots of a lot of depression often lie in a few areas. And those areas are feelings of failure, anger, and grief. So keep that in mind. You know, what I often see with my clients who are depressed is this sense of diminished capacity. You know, when you hear, like you can hear the music, but you're unable to play the notes. You know, some of my clients will sit across from me in utter frustration because they know that something is wrong. They can feel it inside that there's something wrong, that something's going on, but they can't quite articulate it. They can't seem to implement what they want to do and know what they should do. It's like the goals in their mind just remain, just only wants and desires. When you're burdened with depression, routine aspects of life can feel really overwhelming and difficult. Because depression can grip you in such a way that it can take a young, vivacious individual that is full of ambition in life and transform that same individual into someone that is helpless and hopeless. So I want to share, 
you know, a few, maybe about three variations or degrees of depression, as I'll say, that I see show up a lot with clients in my room. And the first one that I'll talk about is rage and anger. That's a big one. So one of the ways that depression can manifest itself is through repression of anger. And repression is simply when you look the other way. You avoid the feeling, you deny it, you push it away because you feel like it's a negative emotion. Now, many of you have heard, may have heard that the phrase that depression is often like anger turned inward. So I'll tell you that depression is unexpressed and unprocessed anger. When you have unexpressed and unprocessed anger, it can lead to depression. So what happens is the intensity of the emotion, which is anger, overtakes all other emotions and clouds your self-awareness. And it prevents you from making meaning of what you're experiencing. So when you're repressing feelings of anger, like you're turning away from it, like you don't want to experience it, you don't want to express it, internally, the body doesn't differentiate. It can't differentiate between what's positive or negative feelings. So you end up repressing a lot of other feelings like happiness or joy or pleasure, along with the initial emotion, such as anger. So sometimes people spend years of psychic energy repressing these feelings because maybe anger was never allowed to be expressed during your childhood. Or maybe you've had experiences of witnessing the destructive qualities of anger. So you repress the feelings just to cope. Or I'll give you another example. Like if you are also part of Like if you're a person of color or you're part of a marginalized group and you've had numerous distressing episodes, it can also come out as rage. You know, this is the type of rage that many Black people experienced during the pandemic in the early parts of the pandemic in 2020, where hundreds of thousands of people of all ethnicities took to the streets to protest racial injustice. These were powerful feelings of unprocessed and unacknowledged anger. Underneath was resentment and bitterness that were repressed as a way to cope. So the anger is none other than unrealized depression. So when you grow up in an environment where you've got the message that it's not acceptable to express your anger, it can be difficult to access these feelings, especially if it's directed towards your loved ones, like your mom, your dad, or a partner, or even society at large. Like if the feelings start to come up, you quickly try to force it away. But the amount of psychic energy to repress anger does not stop there, let me tell you. It starts to exert an influence on your feelings and your behaviors. Like, for example, you may find yourself being angry at your mother for no obvious reason that you can think of. You might be irritated by the sound of her voice, or you might find yourself not calling and checking in like you normally would. On the surface, your reactions may seem unreasonable. 
and you end up being angry at yourself because it just doesn't seem just. But if you zoom out a little, it's because you're not, you've been unable to acknowledge maybe the negative feelings that you have towards your mother, to which your actions are really based on. So unexpressed anger can sit in your stomach. It's almost like it sits in your stomach like an undigested, like McDonald's meal. It can infect your psychology in such a profound way that you end up hating yourself for even having the feeling. Like I'm feeling this powerful negative emotion, so I must be bad. When that's really not the case here. I just want to remind you that it's the repression of the anger, literally pushing it away or looking the other way, turning away from it, not the anger itself that becomes problematic. Because in truth, anger as an emotion is neutral, but it can be destructive or constructive depending on what you do with the feeling. So pushing away or moving away from it is problematic. Now, I'll give you another example of another degree of depression. And it's what I call kind of the false self. Like, who am I? I really don't know who I am. I'm kind of a chameleon. I'm a shape changer, you know, in front of other people. So when an individual adopts more of like a false self, you know, it's their best attempt to deal with the internal conflict of lots of bad feelings and the demands of reality. So the I, like I, that is part of you fades away. It's a style kind of relating to others where you begin to present like a pasteurized version of yourself in order just to achieve some type of social acceptance. Like for instance, like like a person who may rely heavily on their partner for reassurance as a result of just kind of fears of being alone or maybe they don't have any consistent, excuse me, interests or activities of their own, they don't really have a clear sense of self. So they, in order to avoid this sense of emptiness and directionless, they kind of co-opt and like attach themselves to other people. Like they might present as cheerful and outgoing in order to maintain the relationship, but underlying there are deeper fears. Individuals with a false self manage to repress Again, looking away, not dealing with thoughts and feelings and behaviors that they deem as negative because they're connected more so to their truer sense of self. So I'll give you an example. Like if you grew up like and you had a parent or a caregiver that places little value on, let's just say, intellectual development. So they give their children just toys or sports equipment but there's no books or no science kits. Like you might get the message that you're not smart enough, that I'm only able to perform for others. That's like what I'm good at. Or maybe if you grew up in an environment where children should be seen and not heard, which is something that I heard a lot growing up, then you might get the message that 
only appropriate behavior is rewarded, but not the full expression of your emotions. You know, we're all influenced by examples all around us, family, environment, and culture. And all of this has a profound impact on our choices, our freedoms, and our pleasures and our talents that are developed. The false self is a subtler process where you are invalidated over time, over years of your upbringing, invalidated for your truer sense of self, who you are as an individual in order to appease other people. So to fill this void, individuals who often create a false self, which is a facade, because it serves a double purpose. One, it camouflages the more authentic parts of being that you've repressed because of lack of nurturing and protection. But also, it keeps you from further being rejected or hurt in order to fit in with prescribed lifestyles and beliefs. So people with a false self also struggle with anxiety and low self-esteem and depression. But at some point, this form of self-protection for the false self becomes the cause of further wounding when you become an adult, when you want to be loved for who you are. You want to be seen for who you are and you want to be validated as such. But keeping up with the old narrative of shape-shifting doesn't give you the validation that you need. So another degree of depression, which is grief. Although many of you may assume that depression is part of every grieving process, the truth is everybody deals with grief in their own way after experiencing loss. Some people prefer being alone for a while. Other people prefer to keep their memories alive with and reminiscent of others about their loved ones by doing rituals or doing activities. But there are even those who can grieve and continue to assume their typical daily activities. So regardless of how they grieve, most individuals will eventually process their grief, hopefully in a healthy manner. Some continue grieving for months or even years. There is no set timeline. But what matters is that they are processing the loss in a way that leads to healing. So if you find yourself in the grips of denial or relinquishing control of the person or trying to relinquish control of the person whom you've lost, then it may be necessary for outside help in the form of counseling or support groups. Because acute grief depression is a serious type of depression where symptoms continue to worsen unless the person receives help with processing the grief. Really, it's grief kind of interrupted where you're just stuck in this place of denial and again, unprocessed, unacknowledged like feelings where you can't really move through the process, kind of let it flow through you. You're just stuck. So in my professional experience, I've learned that the best way to treat depression is to recognize depression for what it is, whether if it's grief or rage or I'm not really being myself, 
These are all forms of depression that mask itself as different emotions. But when anger and grief becomes unchecked for what it really is, the person who suffers can never find relief. So having one emotion overtake your entire sense of self can wreak havoc in many areas of your life, which is problematic. So taking the first step to heal from all of this can be as simple as recognizing that your emotional state has gone on for way too long and that maybe therapy might be an option or maybe journaling could be an option or first just acknowledging to yourself that I'm feeling a particular way and then work towards identifying what that feeling is. It could be anger. It could be grief. It could be I'm lost. I don't know who I am. It could be any of those because unexpressed, unchecked, unprocessed, anything. If I don't know what it is, then I can't actually work towards trying to heal it or fix it. And it's our responsibility as humans to take care of ourselves and notice when something doesn't feel normal. Even if there are no outward signs, most of us really know when something is wrong internally. And also, I will say that it's good for our friends and family to provide the space for our loved ones to learn to open up without fear and shame to express these feelings of what they're experiencing. Because that can also in turn allow you to be able to be cognizant of the underlying feelings. Thank you for listening to Dark Matters with Dr. Shamina. Please don't forget to share this on social media and I'll catch you next time.